everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Universe Within podcast. This episode of the show is being sponsored by the Amazonian Plant Healing Center, the Temple of the Way of Light. I've worked at the temple for about the past decade now, and I can really attest to the quality of the work that they do. They're located in the Peruvian Amazon, uh, about two hours outside of the city of Iquitos, and they run 12-day retreats in which they have six different ceremonies, working predominantly with the plant medicine ayahuasca and the lineage of the Shipibo people, who are people who have a very long lineage of working with these plants. Uh, and it's a really amazing place to go and to experience the the profundity, the healing, the learning that these uh, sacred plant medicines have to offer. Um, they're working with four different indigenous doctors or healers, uh, two to three facilitators. Um, they have um, yoga teachers, massage therapists, bone doctors, an amazing integration team, an amazing support staff. So it's a really beautiful place if you're interested in working with these plant medicines to go and, and be in a really safe and well-held uh, space that allows people to go really deeply into this work and to experience all of the benefits that these plants have to offer. <clears throat> So if you'd like more information about them, you can check out their website at templeofthewayoflight.org. Uh, and some good news, they are now up and running. Um, they were unfortunately closed for a really long time during the pandemic, but as of uh, August of this year, they are back and running. So check out their website if you'd like more information about them. Also, myself and my colleague Marav Artsy are continuing to run Dietas, which is one of the ways in which people can really go deeply into this world of plants and experience all of the the healing, the the magic, the the teaching, and um, and really the the profundity that these plants have the ability to endow on us and to help us to to really learn and heal on a on a really deep level. Um, so we're continuing to run diets in the Sacred Valley of Peru. Um, if you would like more information about that, you can check out my website at nicotianarustica.org and also Marav's site at tobaccodiets.com. My guest for today's show is my friend Kunti. I met Kunti here where I am in the Sacred Valley of Peru. Uh, she works with Temascal, which is uh, some of you may be familiar with sweat lodges, um, uh, maybe even things like saunas. The temazcal is a, a very traditional Mexican process of going into a, a very uh, heated enclosure, working with the four different elements, uh, and as they often talk about, uh, a process to die and to be reborn. Um, if that sounds interesting, uh, Kunti will talk a lot more about that. Uh, she also works with uh, the, the moon dance, we got in some conversation about the Sundance, uh, and also she does a lot of work with combo, uh, which is a type of frog medicine, and also bufo, which is a toad medicine, um, and both of those are, are very different. Um, Kunti's a really amazing woman. We ended up talking, I think, for almost five hours, which is uh, definitely the longest interview I've had yet. So I'm breaking this episode up into two parts. So part one uh, will be predominantly talking about her background, the Temazcal, the sun and the moon dance. And then the second part will be um, about the, the frog and toad medicine. So um, if you're just tuning in for the first episode, stay tuned for the second episode. And if you're turning into the second episode, consider go back and to watch the first episode to learn a little bit more about her, her background, and and also the, the Temascal. So I think that's it. Um, as always, if you're able to support this podcast, that's a really big help to me. 
Patreon is a really beautiful option. It's a subscription service. Uh, you can, there's different tiers you can sign up for, uh, donating as little as a dollar a month, and it gives you back some really amazing benefits, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. That's a really big help to me to continue to make these podcasts and bring on these guests. Uh, to all of the patrons, to all of the people who have done that, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. And if you are able to do that, uh, I, I would deeply appreciate that. There's also the ability to direct donate via PayPal. I'll put a link to both of those in the show notes. Also with YouTube now, if you're watching on YouTube, there's the option to join the channel. It gives you a lot of the same perks as the Patreon options. There should be a little join button um, below the video if you're watching on a, on a laptop or a PC. Um, and then if you're not able to do that, Subscribing to the show is a really big help. It may seem like a small thing, but that's a, a really big help. So hitting the subscribe button, uh, if you can, turn on the notification bells, like the video, that's a really big help with the algorithms and getting this show out to a bigger audience. And then with the audio version going on Apple Podcasts, following the show, uh, leaving a starred rating and a short review, that's a really big help. So I think that's it. And without further ado, here is my interview with Kunti. It's nice to see you. Um, <laughs> I met you the first time, I think, during a Temascal. During uh, a Temascal, yes, yeah. yes. Um, and I think Paula was assisting you. It was it was Paola. really close by, and yeah. uh, in Sachimunai. And um, yeah, for me, that's that's amazing medicine. So I, I was I was really happy you mm -hmm. were doing that, and you led a beautiful ceremony, mm -hmm. and then you came to work with uh, with the, the colleague of mine, Marav, who I do a lot of work with tobacco, so you're familiar with her. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe just to start, uh, just telling a little bit about your background, like who you are, where you came from, and how you found yourself on this path. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for receiving me, Jason. Thanks for inviting me here with you. It's very nice to spend this Sunday uh, with you having this talk. Uh, <laughs> well, my name is Kunti. Uh, I'm from Mexico, from the south of Mexico. And to don't like spin around so much, I can say that I felt all my life a deep uh, connection with the medicines, you know, like since I was young. I grew in a city, you know, in a sm small city at the time. Uh, because now it's big, but it was not really like uh, close to nature or traditions kind of uh, environment. No, it was more city, and uh, for me, I guess like city is just not my place to be. So I started to got like really depressed as I as I grew, you know, and I had a strong, very strong feeling in my heart to explore the Pachamama and her medicines no at the moment I was young it was not considered medicines it was considered drugs you know? like you were a fucking drug addict if you will approach into cannabis or the magic mushrooms no so um, my approach was because I really felt it in my heart that that was my way to go and that I really needed um, 
to go there, no, like to explore the earth. Like my calling mainly was to be close of the Pachamama, to be close of the nature. And I felt that the nature will help me to heal uh, from the life in the city, from my own personal story and things that I was already um, willing to work or looking like <laughs> for how how to transcend all this, no? And I was young, I was really curious, I was full of energy and uh, curiosity. So I started to explore in Mexico uh, since I was like 20 years old. And uh, I had amazing adventures over there. I also learned a lot, you know, um, of always just life outside of my little town and everything. But I started to went to places, for example, like the Chiapas jungle, that it was very known for the uh, mushrooms growing, you know, the Silasibes cubensis there. And not the Mazatecorum, but Silasibes cubensis. And... Um, it was very magical for me and profound, all this, this experience that I had by my own uh, with the medicines there, no? like uh, approaching to them as the experience called me to. No? Because, for example, I remember the first time that I arrived to Palenque, I just had this uh, purpose no? like to go there, to be in the waterfalls, to wash myself there and to eat some mushrooms. So I remember that as soon as I arrived, like the mushrooms would, ap would appear there also for me, you know, because it was maybe a, a mutual calling. <laughs> so um, for me, it was the huge help that I could receive in my life. It has come from the medicines, from the same Pachamama, and <clears throat> it has helped me to uh, transcend many episodes in my life also has helped me with my own personal story, with uh, raising my kid. And in general, I don't know, like in some moment, all my life became around that, you know. Um, my motherhood is also very involved in all that process because at 24, I had my kid. And I already was traveling in different places. I also get to know the uh, Rainbow Caravans, that it was guided by one of my dearest friends. Uh, that he's a genius for finding new routes with the horses and finding new adventures. So it was for me like not only ingesting the psychedelics in the Pachamama was my healing, but like really um, get into the Pachamama, you know, like uh, to live wild, to, to be um, very near to it, like raw and... Uh, and cleaning my fears about it, no? For example, it was a time that I lived in Tulum or many other times that I went to water places, no? In, in, um, in Chiapas, for example, big rivers and like that. And uh, to challenge my own fears, to practice uh, swimming, no? In the ocean, um, I, help, I, I found a lot of help to transcend the fear of swimming or of going deeper, no? That maybe it's from another life or whatever, programmation no but I was finding like really difficult to go to swim by myself no like a lot of fear or anxiety and by swimming and going every day and and obviously the Caribbean Ocean is very gentle and beautiful no so you you want to explore there and see what's there no and with the Googles and 
it was beautiful for me like uh, to be near to the Pachamama and in those times I also had not so much like commitments and, and like um, how to say it established commitments no um, and actually I was not looking for them because I wanted to adventure and get to know as much as I could of the planet no by the moment also I was receiving a lot of information that now with all the situation that we are living like I'm just sure that it was meant to be, you know, like to receive all this, that information and that opened my eyes so much. And um, yeah, in some moments it, it will look, uh, I don't know, like exaggerated, conspirational and bunch of things. But for me, there was a, a lot of resonance in my heart with the truth. So I just follow always like my instincts, my intuition mainly, you know, and during many years of my life, uh, trying to find myself in the in the way, trying to find uh, the healing, you know, in in my life, the guidance for my um, life purpose, or yeah, like the guidance, you know, in in the in the modern nature, because um, for me, like uh, what it means, my life mission is totally related with. Uh, the earth, you know, like the, what it means to be connected with her, to be in resonance with her, you know, with the mother earth, uh, to learn about all her gifts that uh, she has given to us, you know, that is plenty of them, like in this world we we have just everything that we need for this human life. So I found so so much uh, marvelous, you know, in, in the mother nature that I knew that this was just my path, it's just that I didn't know, like, what, <laughs> and the whole, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, like, it was a lot of um, challenging for me, uh, and sometimes, like, being a, a single mother, you know, and traveling, and sometimes just being guided by my own intuition, I remember when I didn't have, I don't know, like, the new cell phones, and GPS, and the modernity, I was just also like traveling with my own intuition and following numbers that I like it <laughs> and following, I don't know, like just guidance, you know. And I had the luck of being able to travel and to satisfy my soul, you know, by uh, getting to know like as much beautiful places that I could touch of the Mother Earth and I could do it with my son. And I'm very happy that I could do it in the time that we did it. Because, you know, like in these times, it's difficult even to travel, you know, like uh, even to be going, to, <laughs> I don't know, to a mall or to different things. There is a lot of restrictions. And in those times, we were really free. And as I say, I didn't have a lot of commitments, you no, know, or established things uh, to hold on in my hometown or in any other place. So I traveled a lot and... I think that both my kid and me, we had the opportunity to explore amazing places and to live like uh, wild adventures, very close to the nature, to be strong with her, you know, because, for example, in the um, horse caravans, like, there was not comfort zone there, you know, like, we're talking about uh, horses and responsibility with the horses and 
uh, a lot of traveling, like in the like in the old times, no, and a lot of fleas and, and lice or bugs, no, that they were biting all the time, and not place to wash our clothes. We gotta do it, like you know, like a, not not to be very heavy, also to to travel. But that was my calling at the time, and it was a it was wonderful. It was amazing, no, and uh, I always. Uh, since my 20s, I was always looking for the medicines of the Mother Earth. And uh, as I said, like they have helped me so much, you know, in my life that I can say that I owe myself to all of them, too. Um, and uh, it was not that all the time I was consuming, no, it was kind of. In Mexico, is not that, uh, so much freedom like here in Peru, like to consecrate the medicines, to get them, to approach to them, ceremonies, ceremonial space, people that knows how to hold the, the ceremonies. So just by intuition and and by myself, I went to places, no, like uh, like the, the Chiapas jungle, the Mazatec uh, Sierra, no, from where Maria Sabina was from. Uh, and where the Mazatecoro mushrooms grow, that is very strong ones, but one of the most beautiful things that the earth has created, I guess. And uh, to the desert, uh, to meet the peyote with my kid also. And it was like kind of taking those journeys to do that, you know, like just gambling everything <laughs> in the moment to do it and to get to know those medicines. And um, and then with the time, I just start to realize or to feel like every time more deeper that this is what I want to do. This this is how I want to live my life. You know, I want to um, be able to be at the service of the Mother Earth and the humanity by getting to know deeper these medicines and the way to work with them properly. Also for this thing that there is many people just playing around with the sacred medicines and then the results sometimes they are not really positive because uh, is um they open our energetic fields they open parts of our brain you no know, energetically many things happen that we don't see with our own eyes so it came up a moment in when i was living in tulum i live around 8 years not like uh, full on in tulum but living traveling and always coming back there. Tulum was like my house, like my home, better say. And uh, over many years, and I live very beautiful experiences there also with the mother nature, you know, with the water there, um, and my adventurous friends that they were living there. And I have one of my best friends, you know, that um, he had a, a place in Tulum, a very beautiful place, that was our little paradise, you know, of all of us. It was a place for the family, for the tribe, and for our work, for expanding our gifts, for living happy. It was just, I don't know, it was just a little paradise. And he opened the doors for us uh, as well for as for many people to live there, you know. So it was not my permanent house, but it was always where we go, you know. And after... 17 years, 18 years that he owned and and uh, run that place, you know, in a very beautiful way. Like uh, things started to change with the time, and in Mexico, 
there is a lot of mafia and the narcos are uh, included in the whole package, you know, and well, um, they stole lands there, literally they steal lands, no, and they have stolen many lands, I have friends that they have lost uh, everything that they had there, you know, like people that they were owning places, they were having like little hotels or hosting places and uh, beautiful spaces that they were carrying and, you know, like taking care of. They were stolen, and one of those at the the last time that I was there, it was uh, around seventeen places that they stole in that season, and my friend was one of the unlucky ones. So all our story in Tulum was falling apart, no, and um, I stayed in Tulum around nine months more or something. And I was really confused, like, what do we do now, <laughs> no, like. It's like when you break, uh, like, some insect's house and they go out. I felt like that, no? Like, we haven't taken out from where we were living <laughs> or or the main place where we all were, like, um, coexisting and sharing. So it was not so much reasons to stay there because also all the um, hotel business, you, you know, how, no, uh, sorry, I don't know how to say it in English, but... Yeah, the hotel business, all the this uh, thing was like developing there like very strongly. When I get to New Tulum, like the first time that I went, Arjuna, my son, was 11 months old and it was very raw. <laughs> like the mosquitoes and the tabanos when the sunset was going on, like they were like <laughs> chasing you in, in a cloud, no, and... It was no concrete, it was no uh, hotels, uh, concrete hotels, it was just cabanes and huts. Very, um, very, very raw style, very nature, no? And that was kind of the, the feeling of Tulum of, from long time, but the world is what it is, right? Like it's growing in this supposed uh, progress idea that the human has. So from those times to now, like I have here views that now looks like Miami or something, no? It's very changed. It has been full of hotels and I just felt that the time was over there. And then one friend invited me to work here in Peru. And uh, since that, I have been living here five years. And it's, it's one of my most established moments in my life, I guess. Um, working very happy with the medicines here, um, developing every time more like this work, this uh, passion that I have, no, and enjoying life here with my son. That we really, we really feel lucky to be here also in Sacred Valley, you know, living in these times, especially that the world is going going crazy <laughs> over there and. Yeah, I just feel really happy that we could arrive here to Peru. And here is where all my work with the medicine have um, a real possibility. Because as I say, in Mexico, the legality with the medicines is very different. Um, even like to carry them, um, to announce that you work with them, etc. No? It's just different. It's just another environment, different laws. It's very near to USA, you know. And I'm just in love of many, many factors that is here in the in the Secret Valley, in Peru itself. And um, 
yeah, like uh, I came here to work for one center that was opening and one of my best friends that we were holding the mascals together mainly. Uh, that was what I was mainly doing uh, about uh, medicine work in Mexico. No? Also assisting to a bunch of ceremonies, but I was mostly holding the mascals. And this friend, she invited me to come with her and to open this center together you know, with another friend that she also came. And um, I started to work here with the ayahuasca, and I also started to work here with the cambo. Uh, still the buffalo barrios, I started to work with this in Mexico. Um, around eight years ago, I went to the Sonora Desert. Also, like, pure intuition, just following my inner callings that for outside may look like just dementia, <laughs> you know, like totally dementia. So I remember that I had this calling to go uh, to the desert. I didn't know anything about the buffalo various medicine, but one friend was starting to work with uh, this beautiful medicine. So he shared that with us, with um, one friend that was living with me in Tulum at the time. And he started to talk about it, and I was like, no way, I'm not going to go anywhere from here. No, I was in front of the beach, Tulum, beautiful, everything. But I started to, uh, to have this deeper calling, deeper calling, and it started to make me um, on, like, uh, on a where to sleep well, and like that. So I started to research. You know? In those times, honestly, the technology was not that uh, accessible or advanced, so I had to go to... Uh, internet coffee place or something, no, to check online because we were living, like, barely we had, like, electricity in Tulum at those times. Uh, we had to go, like, for example, to some place that had electricity to charge our old phones, no? So I started to went to uh, check online, like, uh, what's about this, and I found some information and just this, um, the image of the toad uh, capped me or, like, it went like really deep, no? And I start to feel the calling every time more strong. And even that Sonora and this area of Mexico is very dangerous. And that was my actual concern, no? That is like, it's a narco area. But at the end, I decided to go and I end up like um, leaving everything behind again and going in my car with my kid and this um, boyfriend at the time to catch the toe, to get to know this medicine. And we lived in the desert, like, just there camping. Sometimes not even, we didn't even put the tent. We just sleep under trees and wherever we wanted in the desert uh, over four months. Uh, all the rainy season, um, waiting for, like, uh, the toads to appear, no? Like, we were, like, uh, living there, camping, used... Um, in, like the toad is a night animal, so we were waiting until the night and the rain comes so we can go in the car and start to look for them. And actually it was very good that my son and my ex-boyfriend went with me because they were the ones that were catching them at the beginning. It's very difficult to catch them because you had to distinguish them between like bunch of toads that is all over around and um, to know how does it look uh, so you are at least catch the similar ones because there's many kinds of buffos. And, um, yeah, and to do the whole process that we just saw online one day uh, with our own hands, you know. Uh, 
I felt that we were totally guided and totally protected. Nothing wrong happened to us during all that journey. Nothing dangerous happened to us. No, even the local people was thinking like we were totally crazy <laughs> to be just around the desert like that and in the night and just sleeping over there. And even like some people in the desert that they are very humble, beautiful people uh, that lives there and very open hearted. Also, they share a lot uh, what they have. That is almost nothing. They oh, they share a lot. You know? They share what they have. And they opened the house for us, uh, one old couple, that the man was uh, the first person that we saw over there. We were like just melting down in the in the car. And in that moment, I was thinking, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> Why did I leave Tulum? No? And I was with a headache. And the water was boiling. It was very hot to drink. And we were crossing the desert, you know, the Sonoran Desert. And we found this man there that was uh, selling between trash food that everybody consumes, you know, like Coca-Cola and cookies. He had like this little um, like wooden car for selling in the highway. So he you would just walk from the little town inside of the desert to the highway to sell stuffs. It was not only trash food. It was like the, the half was like trash food that everybody is what they buy, you know, passing by uh, through the highway. And... Desert medicines, medicine from the desert, like uh, some kind of dehydrated cocktails. There is a um, rattlesnake that they powderize also. Like most of them, they were uh, dry and they, uh, powderized or like already used to take dry, you know. And there is also another that is a very powerful thing for getting rid of uh, stomach worms. Uh, that only grows there is super bitter. It's even more bitter than the neem. So he had these medicines and it called our attention. And we start to ask him and he was the the key person to get into the desert and he helped us to find the first toad. You know? The persons there in, the, in these little towns, they didn't know anything about toad, anything about the medicine, anything about all that. And we were not saying, oh, it's because you smoke it, you know, like we were just like opening to the space and seeing how is the life there and, and if the toes really exist and if we really could do it, you know. We were not smoking there the medicine or anything. Uh, we were just doing the harvest work and getting to know all the place and trying to connect there with the medicine. So I was um I was knowing the toad since uh, years ago and then when we start to share it in Tulum with my friends when we arrived we were really like innocently and honestly <laughs> and with love sharing what we harvest you no know? but the buffalo barrios is such a strong medicine that I quickly realized that this is not something used random for use or for randomly sharing, many things that start to be questions in my mind when, I, when we started to share. So I was not actually working, uh, charging or sharing the medicine with anyone over a few years. Uh, I only did it for myself sometimes, no? Just I felt that I prefer to wait, no? And to see if I could find a good teacher for me. And the time passed by and I thought that maybe I 
didn't no like didn't meant to do anything with that and I remember before going away from Tulum um and also before getting to know my teacher but one day I decided to offer the rest of my harvest to the mother earth and after that everything moved and I get to know my teacher and also the opportunity to come here open no and in, in Peru, in Sacred Valley, to open the center. So I start to work um, a lot here with the Bufo, much more than what I did in Mexico. And um, yeah, I mentioned in that because in Mexico, let's say that I was not like uh, actually offering ceremonies as I do here. I was not working in the way that I do here. You know? My... A strongest part of the medicine work uh, has been here in Peru. I, that's what I consider. Still in Mexico, like all that I lived and all the kinds of ceremonies and different um, cultures and ambiences that I get to know uh, uh, around them, I guess it was my foundation, you know, like to to develop my work and, and to find also this... Um, this mission, this uh, calling of my soul, like to clarify, because I felt that if I would be coward to my calling, no, that honestly in the moment I was looking like crazy for everyone, for my family, for my mom, my aunts, like for everyone, no, like what are you doing, traveling with a baby and and doing nothing of your life, and I always support myself with my art. Uh, before starting to work with the medicines as I do now. Uh, but the art, uh, it was always something that I was sharing, that I was uh, creating, working on, and it was um, the main way that I was m m producing money, let's say, you know, like for my travels and everything. And yeah, like for my family and for many people, it may might look like it was just crazy stuff, that I was losing my time. But deep inside, I, I knew that I wasn't, you know, I, I knew deep inside that I have, uh, I had a reason why to do that, uh, and actually many reasons, you know, why to follow my own path, why to risk myself as I did, let's say, and with my kid, um, and the now... Everything has changed a lot, no? Like I'm much more established than before. I am not traveling that much either. But I feel really good, you know, with uh, all this journey that I have had in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years of my life, like looking for my mission with the medicines of the mother earth. <laughs> You, you use this word Pachamama uh, a few times. What, what does that mean for you? Because um, it was also interesting. I don't know if you know Wilma. Uh, mm -hmm. She's a Kero woman. And she she uses that word. And But I'd never heard it described when she said, because for her it wasn't just the earth and nature. It also had this element of time and space, mm -hmm. which I found very fascinating too. Like mm -hmm. Almost like this this ever eternal present moment of time and space was also included in that mm -hmm. like cosmovision of that world Pachamama, but because you used it a number mm -hmm. of times. So mm -hmm. obviously like it, it, it means something to you. Yeah. 
for me is not only the physical mother of our nature, is the, to call the spirit of the Mother Earth. And that's what I refer with that. No, it's also that I'm very used to use the word Pachamama because mm -hmm. we're here in Peru, no? But yeah, I'm calling with when I say Pachamama, I'm referring to the spirit of the Mother Earth, to the nature itself, no, to the mountains. And as you say, like this is a dimension and time and space dimension that she allowed us to be inside, no, to grow in this not only the planet but this uh, dimension that she is by herself by itself. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Mexico is an interesting place because there's still there still is a lot of there is a lot of medicine there and you know I know you do a lot of work with with Temazcal and, and that really seems to be like a strong place of where that that medicine really emerged from. And yet it's it's also medicine you find all over the world. I mean, I think people have been working with that idea of, of uh, I mean, even just in a physical sense, like that 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 healing through mm -hmm, sweating. Mm -hmm. um, but the Temazcal seems to be beautiful because there seems to be a much deeper culture around it, even this idea of like rebirth and, and all taking into account all of the elements and prayer and singing. So what was that journey like for you of finding Temazcal and then, and then studying yeah. it and, and learning how to, to, to hold that space? Thank you for asking that, Jason. Well, Temazcal has been one of the main medicines in my life, no? And um, my first Temazcal was when my baby was one year and few months and I was in in Palenque jungle I went back there with my son to have my first steps out of um, my hometown like finally you know like mm, uh, looking for my own path and in the place that I was staying with one of my friends that had a, a beautiful hostel at the time there and I was painting his hostel you no know, I was working with some painting so he gave me one room there for me and my kid, and uh, I remember at the time one person was building and hosting a first temascal there for the space of my friends, so I went in, and it was really strong and very powerful experience for me, you know, and because I was alone with my kid, and I had to give it to another friend that her kids were a little bit older, to be taking care, and I didn't know how long is it going to be or anything, and it was at Mexica Temazcal, like super hot, very small, and we were all condensed and circle around, and I, I was in the buffalo door, that, was, that means opposite to the door. And I started to have a, a lot of guilt and fear about I left my kid alone, and this is the lasting hours here, you know? And I was like already with all this process, you know, as a mother um, there, because also like I had a, like a social familiar background of, oh, you are doing so wrong, you no? Know? That I started to be very afraid. <laughs> and and in, in some moment, one of the doors, you no, know, that is one of the moments when the, the door of the mascot opened, I saw my kid passing and, and crying for me. And they were closing the door, the, the door, the rocks were inside already. And all my fears start to rise and to be like uh, very present and, and very strong. And I start to panic inside of the temascal. <laughs> and 
I asked in some moment because he was already guiding, etc. But like all my mental thing and everything was so strong that it came a moment that I said like, I want to go out. And he said, no. <laughs> and we just keep going, no, because I, I mean, like I'm respectful in the, in the way of the ceremony, you not know, the way that everyone um, guides its own ceremony. So I didn't say anything. Years after, when I found this person again, we talk uh, about this first Tomascal that I did with him, and I tell him this, and he say like, really, did I tell you that? Because I, <laughs> I, I don't used to say that to people. I always let them go out if it's too much for them. And for me, it was definitely impossible to just escape, you know, because I was opposite to the, to the rocks. And nobody told me <laughs> before that... Uh, there is a position so you when the heat is so intense you don't inhale the the um, boiling uh, vapor of the rocks no so I was I guess in a deep state with all this heat and and the inhaling all this vapor like right in front I was feeling that I was burning there and with all my fears and when he said no like I had to calm down myself I had to arrange myself. I could not escape. I could not convince him or keep interrupting. I had to trust. No, I had to trust uh, in the angels, in the protections of my kid, in everything, and that he everything would be fine no, at the end because it was in the middle of the jungle of Palenque. It's like, I mean, it's a wild jungle, no? And everything was fine, no? But it was a, a huge teaching for me. And after that, I follow the path of the Temazcal and I went to all the ceremonies that I could and I start in the Temazcals as everybody should start, that is by serving, by serving the Temazcal, by helping without any other um, exchange, you know, like asking for nothing else but to be part of the ceremony and always helping, you know, to, to my friends that they were hosting these ceremonies and with the time, I, um, I started to go to the moon dance uh, in Mexico. Um, I was following the, the red path no? uh, in Tulum, in Chiapas, in all the ceremonies that I could in Chiapas. There is like a circle of dance also, the Mexica dance. And there is many branches of the red path. No? And Temazcal is, is one of those. Is kind of one of the main medicines that our ancestors in North America they left for us, no? And the temascal is not a, a ceremony where you mandatory ingest something. It is possible to host temascal with peyote medicine inside and also with San Pedro or Huachuma medicine inside, and it's very beautiful. It's really worth it to do. But it's a way deeper, intense, longer ceremony, you know? so you only have to be uh, really ready to go uh, with both ceremonies at the time, let's say. So it's possible to do with ingesting a, a power plant also, but the basis of Temazcal is that you don't ingest anything. You receive the medicine of the alchemy of the four elements. And those four elements, they were really important for the ancestral tribes, you know, the ancestral knowledge considers them like portals, uh, guardians of this world, you know, like the four directions of the world is like, a, it's a living spirit also, you know, that's why in Mexico we have names for them and it, we always call the permission 
and call for the opening of the ceremony to all these spirits, no? The four directions, uh, and then the three dimensions that we call, no? That is the earth, the sky, and the heart, the, the human dimension of the heart, no? And um, this medicine is based in that four elements, in those four directions, no? In this primary medicine that is, like, basic in the earth. So in the Temascal, we work with the fire that is the one that is going to hit the rocks and give that power and intensity to the ceremony, you know? So it's the fire in alchemy with the, the, with the water that creates this um, healing vapor, you know? In the Mexican tradition, we use a mix of herbs. We make a herbal tea that is similar like a flower bath in the Amazonian jungle, and that is what we use for putting in the rocks. And in this herbal tea, we use uh, herbs like eucalyptus, um, basil, ruda, that is a powerful cleansing. I always put some tobacco also because he's one of my main friends there also. Uh, but you can put different plants that you would like. No? When you know how to work with them, you can combine them, you can put lavender, rosemary also, like one of the basics mixes, um, rosemary, ruda, basil, sometimes chamomile, you can add different ones, no? And we add eucalyptus and fresh herbs because in the sweat lodge, no, in the, in the house of the Temascal, that is this round closed structure we can inhale and receive deeper this vapor that is going to affect positively or the breathing system or the respiratory system and <clears throat> the the science let's say no behind this medicine is the use of the heat in combination of the darkness no like it is creating a, a hostile environment for the human being to have a catharsis. That's what happens inside of the Temascal. As you say, Jason, like this ancient way of healing has been known for many other cultures, many other cultures, you know. It's not only from North America, it's just that in North America, as well, the, the tribes that were living in what is now USA territory and also what is Mexico territory, they had different styles. As in the Amazon jungle, we know that different tribes developed their own way with the medicine. Ayahuasca, tobacco, cambo, and all the medicines that they have, they developed their own way. You know? So also happened in, in North America with the tribes. So they developed their own a structure, shape of ceremony, their own rules, their own things, and they variate from one tribe to another, and essentially they are all the same. You know, that is the, the consecration or the ceremony with the four elements of the earth, that is the Pachamama, you know, that we get into the womb of the Pachamama, we receive the heat of the sacred fire, we receive the water, that is going to go to the rocks and become into vapor that in the Mexica language is called atlachinoli is that word for that combination, that alchemy between the fire and the water and the rocks because it's, they are the ones that are containing the, the fire, right? 
and creates this vapor that goes inside of us, in, inside of our lungs, and it and starts to be around and making us sweat. It, that is the medicine that we receive. But what it has, uh, one of the main differences with, uh, with uh, the traditions that were developed in, in North America, I feel, because I don't know deeply other, like other systems or ways that they have, like the Nordic people, they had the use of the, of the sweat lodge, of course, you know? and in many other places, they were using this sweat uh, house or this uh, way of like make your body to sweat to heal different diseases. Even in cold places where you have access to glacier water, they were using this technique of going first into hot and then into cold and then into hot and then into cold, no? So it's an ancestral way that the human has, no? By just access to the nature and to heal itself. So one of the main differences with the tribes of the north of America and the north of Mexico is the shape of the ceremony that is... Um, we open with prayers, with asking permissions, no, with singings, with words to the spirits, with incenses, no, with copal. Here, of course, we use a lot of the Palo Santo also because we are in Peru, but in Mexico it's mainly copal, white copal, and some other herbs like the salvia and some other incenses that we have there. And we offer all these to the spirits of every direction, uh, in order that they allowed us to open a ceremony and to have a healing space. It's like like when the ayahuasca maestro sings the opening arcana. It's prepping, it's opening, it's asking the permission no? for the spirits, for its guides um, and the spirits of the medicine that they work with to come to allow the ceremony to happen. No? And we open this ceremonial space not only for us to sweat, but also to open our heart and be able to pray. So the Temazcal basically is a place uh, that the traditionally was used for praying together as community, as family, and healing all together, because in the past it was not this globalization world as we are now, no? So it was little tribes, little tribes, little communities, all related, all relatives. And we know, like humans, we are humans. We always have problems within, between us. In families, in communities, there's always something to resolve. So this was the way that the ancient people, uh, they were gathering together to resolve their own issues. Also the prayer with the tobacco in the Temazcal and for the tribes, of Mexico and North America and also north of Canada um, is very important, no? Like the tobacco is one of the main plants, is, is the one that is conducting our prayers to the Great Spirit, is the one that is channeling, is this channel between this, this dimension and the upper dimension, the superior dimension, where all these benevolent spirits, they are also available to help us as humans, no? So... And as you know, because you are tabaquero, like the tobacco is the channel so we can communicate and ask um, for the healing that we need, um, to give thanks, of course, no? So in the in the temazcal, it's not that we smoke inside, it's possible. Sometimes in, in big ceremonies like the moon dance, we have smoke, the, the chanupa inside, no? We have smoke in a ceremonial way. But usually it's outside of the ceremony when you use the tobacco, it's also the offering for the fire, no? 
And in this way, for example, one one thing that it has like a lot of mic for me, like in, in my personal point of view about the Temascal is that it calls this ancient memory inside of us. So it doesn't matter that you have never gone to a Temascal. Doesn't matter if you are uh, from I don't know China or uh, Europe, USA or Canada or Mexico itself, <clears throat> but I have seen, or at least in most of my ceremonies, when this ceremonial space is open, the persons open their heart with much more easiness, you know, to express what what they came for to the ceremony. Um, sometimes it's deep healing, sometimes it's guidance, sometimes it's uh, for familiars, whatever it is, you no, know, but... Um, sometimes it's very difficult for us as humans to open and say these things and, you know, but then when we're in these ceremonies and we are all together for that, you no, know, and, and I always start giving the example, opening the prayers, giving like kind of an idea of, of how, how to start, you no, know, how to say what you are here to express for. And always the prayers are really beautiful, are really honest. I feel that everyone connects the, with themselves in in a very unique way, you know, like I feel that it's our ancestral memory about these um tribal moments, these tribal ceremonies, you no. Know? And it's a space for that, you no, know? it's not only a space for sweating, it's uh it's a space for healing not only the physical body, but also for healing our spirit and our soul. And as I said, in Mexico, it was just more between like in a community, uh, between people that they know each other, that are, they are related uh, between themselves by blood lineage, by community, you know, like. Uh, so in this way, they were able, you know, through the using of the sacred tobacco, for example, to resolve their issues between them, their problems, the community problems, the problems between families, and to sweat their demons there, you know, like that's what we do, like we sweat, uh, we sweat their or toxins or fears or anxieties, emotions, you know, like a lot of what happens in Atemascal is an emotional level also. And that's why sometimes there is people crying a lot, no, because things open, things open, and the healing also is occurring in those moments of darkness and suffocation. Because, yeah, it's like I mean, like not all the temascals are the same, no, like in the in the way that sometimes it's more hot than other times, as every ceremony is different every time. But yes. Is a is a place where the external conditions drops the human to a catharsis state, so we can heal ourselves from those. No, like some people cry, some people may scream, some people works a lot with the um, claustrophobic feeling inside of the temascal, uh, with all traumas. No, and also. Many people also use it for praying for other people, you no, know, for finding this space. Like like other people goes to the church, and prays for the sick ones, etc. Like there is people that also uses this space, kind of for 
um, sending good energy to people that they are in need. So those are uh, some of the main characteristics of, of the Temascals that I have known. Know that is mostly North American uh, style being Mexica, that is uh, the the kind of temazcal that I hold, no, because I'm from Mexico, obviously I have studied there, and I have gone also to different other ceremonies of temazcal, like Lakota and Dakota, and other variants that in Mexico coexist, and for me it has always been like a beautiful medicine, that also doesn't involve uh, the psychedelic part no, of ingesting something, which for me is great because sometimes we as humans, we create some dependence no, on the substances, external substances, and sometimes we need to connect with ourselves only to go deeper in our own darkness or in this uh, state of connection with ourselves to find the answers also. no. And I mean that it's healthy in the way that um, it shows us that not only by ingesting and envisioning and having all this uh, psychedelic process, uh, we can also find the answers, we can also find healing, we can also contact with ourselves and with the superior dimensions that is the ones that assist us in any process in our life. No? And actually they are always available there for us. We can just pray and connect with that any time on the day is just that for the way that we have been programmed and raised you know, in this uh, society, we are not that used to do it anymore, to be in that connection. So in these places, like in the darkness and uncomfort of the Temascal, sometimes it forces us to go deeper, you know, to connect there, to apply the prayer and trust in the great spirit or, or whatever that is there holding your hand or holding your energy, you know, like sometimes the temascal is so hot that you feel that, that you are really dying there. And that's why it's calling a, a, a ceremony of rebirthing, you know, and we call the, the shape of the temascal that is uh, round like an igloo. We call it the womb of the mother earth. So she's receiving us back in the womb so we can purify, heal, sweat, cry, pray, and then go out and also reflect. That is a very important part of the Temascal, that we have the opportunity of introspection, of reflection, of our own behaviors, our own problems, no? And um, that is the main essence of that ceremony. That's what I feel, no? Like, uh, it's very ancestral, it's... Uh, it's written in our DNA somehow also, this way of gather together and sweat together, no, and more in the places where it's cold, maybe uh, they don't have the same structure, no, than Mexicas, Lakotas, Dakotas, but in many other places in the world, the the sweat house has been in a very important place, no, and more when when the where it's uh, very cold weather, when the people don't usually sweat, no? like you really need to have the sweat house so you can detox and these toxins can go out can go out of your body. 
So I think that is something that has been walking with the human being as well as, as the tobacco <laughs> no? uh, for a long, long time. Long time. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to lower this a little bit because I'm starting to feel like I'm in a Temazcal. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I'm happy I'm not there. <laughs> Yeah, beautiful. It's it's one of the things that I I've been really fascinated with the sorry with the Temazcal because even when I when I started, like I definitely saw it much more as a physical cleanse. Like even in the U.S., I, I used to love going to, uh, to to like bathhouses, like Russian or Turkish bathhouses, and and sweating, and you know, going in the ice pool, like. I would always emerge and just feel amazing. And so when I started Temazcal, I was, it kind of seemed like a natural extension of that. Um, but what I quickly realized is that in the bathhouse or the sauna, it's like when things start to get intense, I can just open the door and go out. <laughs> and so, you know, I would never push myself beyond a limit of what I thought was maybe possible. And and as you said, different different temazcals are different. Some can be more hot, less hot. But as I started doing temazcals, I, I mean, I still felt you know this amazing physical cleanse and 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 purge and release. But I also really began to see that so much of the power was on this level of of the mind, because and. I mean, I'm sure I'm not unique in this. Even just talking to other people, you often hear similar experiences like. People are like, I can't do this. It's too much. How do I escape? You know, you start looking around. Where's the door? You start like planning your escape route. Like, <laughs> you know, how can I? Do I step over this person? Or and the mind just yeah. starts, you know, going into these these stories, these patterns, these loops, and and it takes like a tremendous amount of like concentration. And and as you said, like maybe even working on these things like prayer or, or concentration to start to calm ourselves to to overcome those voices. And, you know, those voices aren't something new. They're always there. They're there in all aspects of our lives. It's just like much of medicine work, it it literally, like the heat, it starts to exacerbate that. Yeah, you know, exactly. More and more and more. And, more. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, it just, it seems like it's very much, as you said, like physical medicine, but also like mental, emotional medicine. Mm -hmm. And then it, I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that because I think that's a fascinating thing too, is is often in a lot of these medicine traditions, like you mentioned ayahuasca or tobacco, they're working in the physical level. They're working on the mental, emotional level. Like a lot of things are coming up. But then it would also be said by a lot of these elders that they're working on a spiritual level. And I think for a lot of people maybe listening, like maybe some people understand that, but mm -hmm. for... I think a lot of people that's like a foreign concept like mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. like what are they talking Get about it. like yeah. but even these things like you said like this practice of like prayer or gratitude or acceptance or letting go for me those seem to to be more along this lines of like a, a spiritual aiding a spiritual cleansing and then even this idea which is always talked about in the Temazcal, but I think a lot of people overlooked is this idea of death and rebirth, mm -hmm. um, which I think for most people, they're just like, no, like I'm going to sweat or yeah, maybe, you know, there'll be some sort of emotional release. But I think that idea of like death and rebirth seems very foreign. And yet 
it's also for me at the at the essence of all of these spiritual traditions mm -hmm. is this idea of mm -hmm. dying so that we can be reborn exactly exactly no like it, Even with the ayahuasca, ayahuasca, that's what it means. Like something that is going to take you to your death and to your rebirthing. And even the essence of the dietas, no, is to like to die to our old self and to our old believings. So, yeah, I, I totally get and understand what you say, uh, Jason, because, you know, like all these medicines, no, like... For me, in my own experience, like all the medicines of the Pachamama, they work in all the different bodies that conforms a human being. It's just that we are so, as humans, like, um, rooting the mother only, you know, like kind of that, that, that we are not believing in what we are not seeing. But we have all these other etherical bodies uh, that is conforming this physical vehicle, this beautiful, amazing ascension temple that we have. And that's why it's like so perfectly made with different technologies of the spiritual being, no? that we have our mental body or emotional body or a spiritual body. The soul is in contact all the time with us, is living in its dimension, but also in this dimension with us too, no? And is the one that is connected with the supreme found where everything has emerged. It's just that we are so as human like rooting and like stick to our mother only like what we see is what we believe and if not like that's it, no. But the real thing is that yeah, like physically, as you say, no, like uh, everything has uh, an amazing. Uh, result in the physical level, no? Like uh, Cambo is an amazing cleanser. Tobacco, it is too. Ayahuasca, it is too. The toad and the temazcal and the wachuma and all the medicines, they do amazing things in our physical body. But they also work in all the different bodies. That's why we have many kind of different processes. Sometimes like You drink wachuma and it's not merely a purgative medicine, but you purge a bunch of stuff because the medicine found them that it needs to be clean no? and, and drop them out and makes you feel sick until you purge all that and then you can access to other um, part of the medicine or part of yourself also, no? But yeah, um, there is a... Not only the the physical level why these ceremonies are made of, but uh, in the ancestrality it was more considered the holistic essence of the human being. No, not only considering our physical body. Actually, the campo, for example, is used uh, for cleaning what they call in the Amazonian tribes panema. The, the panema is what uh, is the word for describing negative energy uh, in whatever it's, its form, you know, like if we just polarize things, there is positive and negative and negative can be whatever that is blocking your path, whatever that is not going right, problems with your uh, family, with your kids, with your uh, parents, with your relatives, your brothers and sisters, your couple and your work in your abundance, you know, in your wealth, in your health. 
all that is considered problems that is not only coming from the physical uh, part, no, they are coming usually from the emotional part from or spirit sometimes that has been blocked, no, like sometimes even like that blockage from not being access, not being able to access to our superior being causes a lot of um things in our lives that they are like kind of not going right because we need to align with that. No, we need to align, we need, we need to get into synchrony with these uh, higher energies that they are, as I said, accessible for us all the time because we are that also. So, yeah, like, for example, uh, you were mentioning that in the in the saunas or the Turkish or, or Russian bath, no, like, we can open the door by ourselves and <laughs> and until we feel that, that that's enough, no? And with the Temascal, it's sometimes it's very challenging, no? Like, as I say, that we mentioned already, like, not all the Temascals are, like, uh, hell inside where you're burning. Some of them, I have been even in a very cold Temascal where it started to rain and it was way more cold and hot inside in over Mexico City long ago after a moon dance, no? And, there is, and it was a, a huge medicine also. We had to stand there by ourselves, all the red pad people that we were there breaking our expectations of having a really hot Demoscal. It's like, no, it's leaking all inside. It's making us really cold. And we're here inside and we're not going to just finish or, or feeling that it's not working. Actually, this is our work. That's what we felt in that moment, no? So it has this part of challenging ourselves or like getting into a limit no, of our capacity of our physical capacity that is what creates an emotional catharsis sometimes physical sometimes people have threw up after the temascal because energy has moved and depuration has happened and sometimes the purge is the way that, to let it go and um yeah, like it happens to me sometimes that, that it's so hot that I just want to run away, that my mind starts to work in how how can I escape to this, no? And more if I'm not guiding the temascal because I'm receiving also and you get into this healing space. My last temascal um, with a, a person that hold it, no? And, and I just uh, received the medicine was with an otomi a brother from Mexico that he came uh, recently here and they were sharing Temazcal, so I obviously went no, to receive their medicine and uh, to support the work of the these beautiful people that was coming. And the energy of this man is like very beautiful, very soft, no, and the Temazcal was so strong that I was literally feeling like I was a witch in the, in the fire. No? <laughs> like It was super strong. I was uh, dying there. One more time, no, like dying there, it was very challenging. I wanted to escape down from the, from the Temazcal, and it was beautiful to feel that again. Because every time that we go to this breaking point, to this limit, also things changes inside of us, no. As you say, sometimes like it's the mind. And these patterns and loops of the mind, they are always there. That's why they are fucking ruining our, our lives all the time. It's just that uh, we are used to them, you know. We are used to have them all the time. It's the voices, they are always there. It's just that when it comes to these states of uh, deep heat, you know, like intense heat, 
the the moments like like um, what the medicine does, no, when the combo comes and makes you feel like you are dying, like so awkward, like you are all poisoned there of the frog. Uh, all these things start to kind of like like to bubble up, no, like to bubble to boil up and and to make us feel like more crazy in that moment. And there is the chance to let them go. There is the chance to observe ourselves, to realize what's behind all this anxiety, madness that I'm feeling. We usually don't die in the Temascal, literally, like physically, no? Um, but the mind passes through a lot of stages of dying there and things that is going to die and hates the the moment and hates that heat and hates the temascalero guiding and sinking and hates the other people praying no <laughs> because it's so challenging but there is the opportunity there is what is the opportunity for us to ourselves to sorry to observe ourselves observe our own thoughts no for example there is moments that like we are in, inside of the door of the Temascal, that is doors, I'm, I'm going to explain it for the people that they don't know, is that the Temascal is divided in four uh, parts inside of the Temascal, and, and they, these four parts, they are related with the four elements and with the four directions of the world, and in it, between each one we open the door so we can breathe a little bit, and then more... Um, hot stones are coming in, so the the hot goes increasing level by level. No, so it's four levels, and it goes increasing, and it goes uh, taking us like deeper and challenging us uh, way more. No, uh, you can start with seven, nine, or thirteen, and then increase the same amount each door. So it's going to increase a lot the heat, and. Sometimes in the doors, no, like it's really challenging when we are sharing the world, when we are allowing everyone to express themselves and pray and express themselves. And some people take more than others, and some people has more to say than others, and some people has more emotionally movement when they are praying than others. And sometimes we are so hot there, we are so awkward that we are just like wishing that it's finished, like shut up, no, like all these things that occurs in our mind is very worthy to watch, to observe. And in that way is how we can get to know better how this mind is working and what can we do with that, no? For example, the fact of not having this... Uh, um, opportunity of, of being out just whenever you want opening uh, your door no that you have to ask to somebody and and sometimes they say no there is different levels of strict no of the ceremonies of temascal in my own way i try to don't be so strict because i always attending like new people no but for example in the uh, traditions in Mexico there is very strict ways where like it's just not allowed that anyone puts any step in like outside of the Temascal ones that you have in inside and many things that is kind of like becomes like more challenging no like some in some Temascal you cannot drink any water in between in others we give some water at the last door or, or at the middle so that people can recover a little bit because also the other thing is that um, the excess of the heat produces a headache for the dehydration, no? And 
also the the part of um following these rules as as much as you can you no know? for example in my temascals there is always flexibility but i always recommend if you can stay without going out if you don't have a need to go to the toilet stay stay and leave it all you no know? like give all of yourself there because that's the better approach that's why like these rules like sometimes there is groups that they have much more restrictions or strict um, rules to follow than others but it's not that they have just appeared from uh, i don't know like from <laughs> wanting to <laughs> ruin your life no or wanting to be restrictive and and punishment is because as in all the traditions they have a reason they have a purpose no but also for example in my point of view we don't need to suffer all the time and just to be punished all the time or to get into this uh almost dying point that's why i always give flexibility and many people that is first time comes to my temascal so i can't ask the same that you asked to a expert temascalero like that has like 20 years holding temascals with a bunch of uh, practices, traditions, uh, experience, you know, like it's not the same. But these rules, for example, is in order to go deeper with the medicine also, no? in order, for example, of challenging yourself more and learn how to control yourself more. That's why, for example, if you want to be able to hold yourself the whole temascal without drinking water, and then at the end this is your gift, no? But drink water before, no? To to drink a lot of water before, so you are not like uh, making your kidneys to suffer and having headache at the end. Um, it's important to to have enough water before, and then you can do it like properly, no? Without drinking anything in the middle or without getting out in, in any moment, no? So it's just because they have a, uh, an ancestral reason, no? like the people that they create, not create, because that's not the word, it's like the people that they channel these ceremonies, they were channeling, they were traducing words from the spirit world to this world in order uh, to leave tools for the humanity, no? And um, in the in the same way that the tribes in the Amazon, by their own practice, like uh, it lead them to discover the right way to work with these amazing plants, you no, know, uh, they were finding the best way to work with these shapes. So in the Temascal uh, ceremonies, everything every detail is very important no like the way that you shape the things the way that the temascal is built the upper start that has um, the shape of the temascal that is conformed by all the sticks no like uh, coming in together in the middle uh, to salute the directions in the right direction where the sun is coming up and down and all these details has a reason. It's not just because, no, or these little things of not crossing the line between the fire and inside of the temascal just randomly. Only the the fireman that is the one that is in charge of attending the the fire that is um, 
one of the main spirits of the ceremony, can do that of be crossing uh, because it's already on the service no, of this um, sacred fire. And it's already in connection. It's prayers or his prayers of the of the um, firemen are, are already connected since before the of the ceremony starts, since before the people start to get into the temascal and everything. The person that is um, managing the fire is already connected through the prayers with the tobacco, for example, to the fire, no, and is the only one that can cross. And other people we. Uh, advertise or like let know to don't do it because there is like an open channel already between the fire and the womb no and this maybe we don't see it but energetically the ceremony has been open the ceremony with the fire like the turning on the fire and the setting on of the temascal has started so it's an open channel of energy and in this channel of energy is where the purification of our energies occurs that's why being crossing these lines that they don't exist to our eyes like for example they are very important because sometimes we can cross with those energies of depuration and if we are not ready if we are not protected if we are unaware sometimes they kick us back you know like like something that doesn't feel good because it's a heat of energy and yeah, I just wanted to mention that, you know, that uh, there is a, a lot of little things that we follow in these kind of ceremonies uh, that they have a purpose, you know, that they have a purpose. We can modify and be flexible also um, according to these new new times you know, that we live, but just to know that they are coming from the ancestral knowledge that they gave them to us in this way no it doesn't mean that like you cannot touch anything of that but just to know that it's just not coming from nowhere or from somebody that say like oh no i wanted this way no it's, it has been instructions that they received uh, for example there is the legend of the white buffalo woman no so these uh, these people or ancestors they were really in connection with uh, other dimensions uh, of the spiritual worlds that coexist in this earth, no. So of of course that they were receiving the instructions, and that is the heritage that we have received. That is the precious gift that we have received from them. Because honestly, in these times, we're not that connected as our ancestors were. No, they were full-on channels. Like the people in the jungle discover how to work with these sacred medicines that they are so complex. That was pure canalization, no, like pure channeling of um, other spirits in the nature, other wisers and guidance spirits that they were helping the humanity and through dreams, uh, through different messages, through their own connection, they were way more open to receive them. But now in these times, uh, we have lost a lot of this connection, no? like with the modernization of the men, we are losing it more and more. And just I wanted to say this to remind that um, all that our ancestors and the persons that they um, left this knowledge for us, uh, it was for a reason. No, it was just not uh, randomly or whatever thing. They were channeling what the spirits were giving to them or were instructing to them because in that way 
is how you open the portals of the ceremonies. So these things like um, the healing process, uh, the miracles, and everything can happen. No, like everything that happened in, inside of a ceremony of Temascal um, happened inside of those open portals. No, like for example in the uh, moon dance and sun dances. Um, we have also a circular shape that is the circle of dance that is where we are going to do our offering um, in those ceremonies. Now those ceremonies are long and they are based in fastings and offering like all that we have. You now, for example, even in the sun dance you even don't drink. In the moon dance you do drink. It's different because one is for men and one is for women. And we, are, we have different natures you know, and different needs. And for the women, it's a, it's a different structure. You Not know, that the grandmother Tonal meet in Mexico, she deciphered reading the Aztec codes. So she found, like, uh, more than 30 or 35 years ago, that there was some hiding information because you know, like, that the world um, uh, was uh, kind of suppressed of the feminine energy, so the patriarchal energy could set up, no? And she discovered that it was uh, um, some ritual for the women also because the only one that permitted after the conquire and everything was the Sundance that the tribes like really like preserved, no? But it was for the men. It's a purification for the men. And it's a, it's a shape and a structure that is designed for the men's shape also. Or... The thing is that with the like also there is female sun dancers there is females that offer their blood in the sun dances etc. It's just that they start to open this ritual for the women to because of the women were asking for the place for them also and grandmother Tonalmit she um, discovered this info information she deciphered you know, like kind of read those codes and figure out that it was another um, structure for the women because the women were way more connected with the moon and the men with the sun. And, for example, the women were all the time offering our blood to the Mother Earth, not only when the period comes, but also when the babies come. You know? We are always, with this open channel, always giving blood. So in the moon dance, we are not uh, forced or, or... It's not even something that we do. We don't offer our blood in the way that the men do it in the sun dance. Because we are always giving it. And actually in the sun dance, if a woman is in her period, for example, or pregnant or like that, can't participate. Even can't be part of the ceremony. Even sometimes they have a special space and special tipi far away. So their period purification process doesn't interfere with anything else. Because it's more shaped in the, in the masculine energy, right? But in the moon dance, we have... Um, the structure that is for a woman and we are provided with liquids that we need you know, like some women are pregnant some mothers are uh, breastfeeding and they can eat the breastfeeding women they can eat the ones that we are not breastfeeding or anything we gotta follow the rules you know? we gotta follow the structure but it's way more flexible and according to the needs of the like physical body of a woman you know? And in these uh, ceremonies, both um, works with the shape of the circle. So the ritual itself occurs inside of a circle that has four doors 
as well as the Temascal, it has four directions and it's the same. It's the same four directions and four elements that is uh, according to each, each direction of the world uh, with their proper guardians, the name of the guardians. Uh, they are the ones that they are containing that ceremony. Also for this kind of bigger ceremonies in the red path, you invocate and offer prayers, singings, like words, incenses and tobacco to each one of these spirits to allow you to have this ceremony, you know, to allow you to have your own process there, to allow it, um, for the spirits of the, the space, for example, to allow us to have that ceremony there. So um, this is, for me, one of the most important parts, you know, that in these shapes and ways of the ceremony, we are assisted by superior spirits or other spirits, you no, know, that they are guardians of those directions of the world, that they are guiding, that they are protecting the space also, and yeah, some other spirits also come. Like it's it's totally a, a opening of portals as well as as what happens when we drink medicine, and these uh, doors open in our brain, and. Is uh, similar to what happens, no? When we open uh, for the directions, for the energies that holds those ceremonies, that's what happens, no? That these portals opens and allows that many things in the energetic field moves and occurs inside and outside of ourselves. There is sometimes in the moon dance that, uh, for example, like our circle of dance in every sun or moon dance is our protected space because the portals of the ceremony and the portals to all the worlds and the dimensions are open in that moment and the safer space is the one that you pray and everything that is the circle of dance and sometimes in the moon dance like you can really see during the night the shapes of other spirits outside of the circle that they they have come to the ceremony some of them they just come to receive the energy. Some of them may like don't have like such cool intentions, but that's why we use the protections and the prayers. And that's why, for example, like in every door of, of these ceremonies, there is a person with um, the smocher, the copal, is guardians for every door. So the inside of the circle is where all the energetic work is happening but the portal is open, so outside many other energies, positive or negative, they can approach. And uh, the Temazcal is the same also, no? It's the same structures that our ancestors led to us in the way that we don't only receive a physical purge or a physical benefit, but that we can um, do a more holistic or integral work within ourselves, no? Because as we were saying Many of our problems and diseases that manifest in the physical body, they are coming from our life story. You know, they are our wounds of the past. They are our pain. They are our unresolved issues. They are the abandonment of our parents or many other things, you know. And it's not, like, for example, that cancer is not only a bunch of, cells that didn't know what to do themselves and create just a bowl, no? 
It's a bunch of emotions. It's a bunch of history. It's a bunch of repetition patterns of thoughts and feeling bad and, and feeling unworthy and horrible that has been accumulated until we have it in the physical body. And why do we have it in the physical body? Because we could not realize before, because as you say, like we are used to live in this like pool of <laughs> thinkings, no, and swimming in bunch of thinkings. And sometimes we don't even like uh, choose what to think. We just let them be there. And many of them, the unhealthy ones, they are coming from the voices of the people that raised us, the school, the system, the television, the programmation that we receive, you know. And um, we know that the emotional and mental field is the source of our physical illness, you know. So all the medicine uh, that we know from the Mother Earth works in all those levels. It doesn't work only in the physical level. It work, um, it works in ourselves as an integral being, you know. That's why, for example... Um, Gambo can help you with many things. It will not help you with the same that for you than the same for me because it's going to find different things in, in our bodies that it has to go and, and help or fix. No? And the same, like, for example, I always say that the uh, medicines of the Mother Earth, they have an amplium spectrum of work. So you can heal different things with only one plant. No, like the dieta, something like, oh, well, but why, why are you giving me the same dieta that he, he has cancer? I have other things, no? Uh, it's because they, they also work for that. They also help you with that, no? They have an amplium spectrum uh, that can be helpful in many ways for us, no? Like some of them, they work in the dream field, in the subconscious field. Some of them, they work in the emotional field more, no? And some of them, like... Obviously, they are working yourself in the physical way, like a lot, like the Cambo and the tobacco purges, no? And this is working also in your emotional and your mental body, in your energetical body, as well as it's in your physical, no? So I feel that this is one of the mm, kind of like one of the beauties of, of the modern nature, no? That she's so... Uh, like polyformus and like so abundant, no, and in many ways that through one or few plants is giving us healing for many of the diseases that we have as humans, no, and yeah, we can use them maybe only for the physical field, but they they start to open other things, no, like sometimes we go into a journey. Uh, feeling like, oh, uh, I have been sick of this chronic thing over years and then until it starts to get worse than the, um, how to call it, medicine that sells in the pharmacies, <laughs> they, they do doesn't work anymore, the doctors has told you that they have no cure for you, then you start to look for something else in the nature and you go first because like you are getting more sick and, and your health is uh, degenerating, no? And then other things open up. And then the real source of the issue and the real pain of, of this heart uh, comes on float, you no know, comes to the surface. Because this is the, the way that uh, these beautiful medicines they work. And they allowed us to work in many different ways inside of us. And the other part that I consider very important is that 
the medicines of the Mother Earth, they have their own intelligence. We we have our own like intention, no, and and willing and like focus when we come to one medicine. Sometimes we don't, no. Like some people also just approach for curiosity or nothing really like a serious illness, but uh, to see what's going on there. What else can I know about myself? And we approach them. And they allowed us to get to know ourselves much better, no? Like uh, by opening these layers that we have, energetic layers, emotional layers. And yeah, it's just amazing, no? That the Mother Earth has given us so much in everything, no? As the four elements. And it's there for our use also. It's there... Um, for us to be able to heal if we are willing to, no? So these medicines, they have their own intelligence. And sometimes we have this um, goal of healing or focus to heal that or our intention, but the medicine finds other more important things inside of you to working and then it goes there, no? And so it's very important for me. I always say this in my ceremonies. It's very important to have a, an intention, a guideline, for the medicine, but still the medicine is going to know what to do inside of us. The medicine has its own wisdom that is the spirits of the Mother Earth, you know, like as well the spirit of that specific medicine as well, the power of the same Mother Earth that is um, totally connected with our humanity, you know, like with our physical being, with our um, physical vehicle that we have. So... That is the other part, no? That we come with our willing, with our intentions, and with some focus in our mind, which is always helpful and beautiful because the medicine has also a guideline. You are communicating with that spirit. This is this is what I need. But if that spirit of the medicine is going to find something more important to do there in that moment, that is what it's going to do. That's why sometimes we go for healing something and, and we end up, treating other things totally different or finding other different things inside of us. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. One thing, it, it, it's interesting because uh, many of these medicines are, are done in a group setting and in, in a ceremony and there's other people. And you mentioned this idea that, that in the past often it was uh, because sometimes I think we romanticize the past, like, oh, well, everyone was just peaceful and happy. But as no. you said, we're all humans and we all have conflict and human issues. And so that sometimes these ceremonies were to resolve conflict. And even like we were before we started recording, we were speaking of Amika. And, and often those ceremonies, there was a conflict resolution. And, you know, people start yelling at each other and anger comes up and past wrongs. And... um so what do you think is that balance of, of the community, which seems like a really important aspect of a lot of these rituals, versus the individual process? Because, you know, at Temascal, there are other people around, and yet it's also a very personal process. Mm -hmm. it's, it's our thoughts, our minds, or going off to a vision quest, maybe, is a very personal process, or doing a dieta is a very personal process. Yeah. And so it seems like to some degree there's there's both of these hands. There's like the personal work, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but then also it's it's being created in a space that's often very communal as well. Mm -hmm. 
and that these plants have those two aspects. There's the there's the personal work, the individual work, but then very often as well, that's that's within a, mm-hmm. a community or a ceremony or a space that's being held. Yeah. Well, first of all, I think that uh, both works are very important, no? Because the personal and isolation work is very important. Uh, we can't um, just think that is one or another. Actually, as you say, there is a balance. No, there is uh, both aspects of our human life because those are both aspects. It's our inner world and all relationships also. No, so when I say these things uh, about the ancestral ways and like that, like yeah, I agree that we romanticize always. No, in our minds, it's like when you go first time to the jungle, you have romanticized or dream about this and when you go there you can see what is really to be uh, living there and how is the weather and the mosquitoes or I don't know no many things that you didn't have in count so I think that we have to have in count that the society that we live in these days is very different than the societies that our ancestors had I can imagine that it was way easier for them to do communitary stuffs, communitary ceremonies, communitary agreements, communitary life, communitary decisions, because the way that they were living was different. As you say, like, it's not that, oh, in the past they were happy and peaceful, like, hell no, like, the the tribes and the civilizations and the uh, one town from another has been fighting between them, like, all the time. That's why, for example, when the uh, Spanish conquerors arrived to America, what they found, it, it was a bunch of divided tribes. That's where they could get in, in the division that they all had between them, all the fights, all the conquerors that they, they did to each other, no? And just in my own personal point of view, I feel that in these times is way even more difficult to hold uh, group ceremonies, no, and in the way that we are all, like, so different worlds inside, no, from different cultures, from different uh, countries, from different everything, and sometimes, um, yeah, very different, like, approaches and understandings of, of what is that. We are full of judgment for the other, we are full of... Um, expectations you know, of the ceremonies and on the other people also. Uh, I think that one of the things that we work the most uh, uh, when we are gathering together you know, to consecrate medicines is this social aspect of tolerance because we all get into processes, you know, like uh, nobody is perfect. No, Some people have more experience than others when it comes to the point of um, jumping in this space of the medicines, no more if they are psychedelics and like that. Yes, every, like there is people that has more experience than others, but we are not perfect in any way as humans, no? So we all have our processes, and sometimes like we don't know what the spirits of the medicines they have for each one of us. You know, sometimes we think that everything is going to be fine and it's going to be a very peaceful and quiet ceremony. And suddenly the things start to move like strong and suddenly like there is crying, there is noise or can be screamings, can be catharsis. 
and some pe some other people is getting annoyed because they start to cry and like oh shut up like I'm in my own process like you're ruining all no like all these things is what is coming to our mind like let's be honest that's always what is happening no uh, in my own uh, work I I try to hold um, like for example combo and buffo ceremonies I always give priority to guide one by one. So the person can have this personal process, no, can have this um, uh, opening or whatever it needs to pass through um, without so much interruptions, no. But for example, in the Temascal, like it's totally different because the Temascal is a a group thing. Other thing that for me is very important uh, in the Temascal is that. We have the element of the wood that is the one that is uh, burning um, for the hot, like sorry for the stones to get hot, no. So we're sacrificing uh, sacrificing a bunch of trees for our healing, you know. And I really take in count that because I love the trees and for me it's one of the most sacred beings in this earth. So if we are going to do that sacrifice, no, that um, offering uh, of many lives of, of the trees, no, like to, to the fire for our healing, um, it's like for making like um, useful for many of us. And sometimes I mention in the ceremonies also, uh, let's honor those trees, no, and make a good work with ourselves and to try to... Um, prevail with, with what we got in the ceremony so we can apply it in our lives because that is what the gift that they are giving us you know like all their life or decades end up being in the fire so we can purify open ourselves open our consciousness expand our consciousness you know, uh, release our pain so um, it's something that we do in group like all those trees is not only for one person. Like it is also possible to work the Temascal personally. It's also a way that is possible to do it, no? But uh, it's more a, a group thing, no? And that's why I was mentioning that when we jump in the in the group, all these things starts to come in our mind field, no? And I feel that one of the most important parts of, of the group work is that, is the tolerance. Is the tolerance, is the really applying those things that we are calling, that we are wanting to work with, like the compassion, the uh, tolerance, the peace in our heart, the mental peace. Like There is a field where, where we work that. No, I have had many experiences where like just the unexpected happens and the ceremony starts to be like a lot of work like a lot of depurations or processes or, or one person is having a huge process and, and all the other rest of the group is annoyed and affected and yeah that's why for example um, we try to take care of the space very well no? like for me one of the most important things is to prep the spaces to prep the the ceremony in the right way, you know, like to use the protections to ask uh, for the protection of the spirits. For example, in in the temascals, I always prefer to start the ceremony by myself with the firemen without 
the persons coming before and um, traditionally it's more like all together we do it but in my own personal way I find that it's better for myself you know, for, for the quality of the work that I can offer to have my own time before to have a time for connecting you know, with the space to um, ask for my protections to prep myself to prep the space to smudge to prep the person that is going to help me etc and this is in order to protect the energies of the ceremony, the, to protect the harmony also, no? Uh, that doesn't mean that, that you are not going to have challenges or, or catharsis or processes, no, but just makes your, your work energetically more safe, that other entities or energies cannot disrupt, no? Like, for example, the toad medicine is very intense and... It can be very different, the behavior of each one, no? And it's a medicine that in few seconds is producing a huge catharsis also. That's why, for example, in that in that place, in that case, sorry, I definitely prefer to hold by one by one ceremonies because you can never know when it's going to like when somebody's going to have a huge catharsis and noisy moment or crying or break dancing in the floor, no, or things like that, because they they are not even in control of what is happening. It's the medicine that is opening and, and putting all this out, expressing all this, no, because the the person needed that. And it's very short, it's very intense and very short, uh, the effect of, of this medicine. So it's possible to hold it in group, for example, also. But in my own way, I prefer to attend certain ceremonies in one by one. And in other cases, you know, like the ayahuasca ceremonies, assisting the Maestro Pepe, and in my temascals, of course, that is a group work. It's a group work where uh, we, wor we work on many or for social things also, no? Uh, or conflicts with the others appears there, <laughs> or just your mental mind, no? Like many things goes there. Sometimes, like a person is crying deeply and cannot stop until you start to thinking, like, well, what the fuck? Like, is it so bad that happened to you? And it's like all this judgment in our mind, all these patterns, no? So it's a, a very good field uh, to work in these things, you know, uh, that honestly I feel that is like uh, affecting our relationships in many ways all the time. The communication, you no, know, the lack of communication, the misunderstandings, uh, the keeps the keeps of the resentment, you no, know, the judge the judging over the others, the lack of compassion for the other people processes or for the other people whatever is living decisions so the real thing is that um, we have to work those both parts of, of us no as we were saying that we are an integral being that has uh, different other subtle bodies and layers also we have these aspects of this um, human life that is our personal life or personal world and or social life community life like the thing is that in these times like can we call community to something because i don't see that we really live as a community in these times no like in the cities everyone lives in their own 
world and we all have our own things you know like sometimes the community looks like seems to be more online than in the persons you no know? like and it's easier to say like very beautiful bunch of crap online but in the fact like we have a lot to do there so i feel that it's very important like both aspects you know like when we are uh, willing to do this work with the medicine uh, and that is uh, i consider that uh, it's a journey that you that you start with yourself you no know? and this journey sometimes it takes a long time you no know? as as long as as you can go deep as long as you are willing to go deep you no know? and both parts are very important because um the the isolation work uh, the individual work is very necessary you no know? without it uh we don't go so much far away we don't progress that much and as well um the community or the group work we need to do it also because that is one of the places where we can see how can we apply all those gifts that the medicine is giving to us no like i was um reading the other day one one friend that she wrote like uh Make make your ayahuasca notorious, no? Make your zapito notorious, your toad. Make your cambo to be notorious. Make all your ceremonies, your peyote ceremony to be notorious. How? In your life, no? In your life, in, in your relationships. It, that is the way that, that we can see really how are we doing, no? And um, sometimes uh, we think that as much as we will ingest, like as better we are going to be. Sometimes, mm, wow, like many things can happen in the work with the with the plant medicines, no? And sometimes it gets even more confused <laughs> than than clarifying. Um, so that's why it's very important to have both parts of the work, no? Uh, as well to do our own individual work and to strengthen ourselves as well to share the space with others, no? And to experience that and to join into those group ceremonies uh, always will allow us to see other parts of ourselves that uh, the only way to see it is through the mirror, through the mirror of the other and yeah like uh sometimes you don't know when the medicine when the ayahuasca for example when the medicine has a surprise for you no and sometimes um the ceremonies has been amazing and just the last one becomes like super strong and the real work is shown there and we are like oh my god why did it did it happen well it's happening for a reason because the the thing that is guiding all that process is way more intelligent uh, than than we are you no know? like kind of is is guiding all that process from a superior field a superior dimension of intelligence uh, and that is for a reason you no know? it's for a reason it's because there is work uh, to do in our relationships in our behavior in our mind to keep observing to keep um being aware also no sometimes the lesson is like like well that person had a huge process there but where did you go why the person was in the process no did you let yourself be pulled and got angry and even hate the person in the moment because it's ruined your own experience no 
or maybe you could transcend and focus in yourself and let the person or maybe you you could like apply the compassion that you are asking uh, to the great spirit to feel in your heart you know and, and be compassionate for the process and the pain of the other person and that's at least in my own point of view that is uh, one of the gifts of the of the group ceremonies and as i said and i'm going to repeat it is that we have to take in account that our modern society is nothing similar than the old societies that our ancestors had and that as you say it doesn't mean that they were happy and peaceful and in rainbow land that means that it was just like very different times <laughs> very different context very different connection with the earth and very different um a relationship between them no imagine uh, that you have this temascal with all your family, you know, like uh, the cousin and the uh, husband of the cousin and maybe the other relative of like, I don't know, like with people that you have lived all your life, that they are all relatives between them, it must be really different than than gathering all together uh from different parts of the world without knowing each other and just gathering there and get to know ourselves actually like by first time sometimes there in the in the ceremonies no so that's that's one point that that I want to uh, bring up no that uh, yeah like uh, the old times are not here anymore and it's very different what we live now so i i think that the uh, work in the social way it has changed a lot also honestly i can't even imagine sometimes how it would be you know uh, to live all the time together just to live all the time together in the same village forever with the same clan with the same tribe and and doing everything together surviving uh, the food, the kids, the elders, the war, <laughs> the protection of the the space, all that was holded by the whole crew of people, you no, know, the whole tribes. And in these times, we are far away from that. That's why we have to consider that, um, yeah, like uh, not everything is like in the past, and we should not also romanticize or think that. Oh, is that we have to be like that because we don't have an idea actually of who was in the past. We are actually trying to remember. We are trying to figure out to go back to our humanity, you know, like to recover some part of that um, ancestral wisdom of our uh, like roots in this earth, you know, like where like where are we coming from, like who we are in this earth, and. I think it was very different the the work in the ancestral times, no, than what it is now. Even so, I think that now is one of the moments that the humanity has need the most, uh, the medicines of the mother earth, and she is so generous and loving and abundant mother that has put it at our disposition, no, like as as the world has opened with the globalization has also opened the possibility for the humans to have more access to the blessings of the mother earth and yeah we are all trying to figure out we are trying to to heal we are all trying to discover uh, the deepness of our being no and yeah 
it's a it's a whole journey, you know. Like uh, for example, the ayahuasqueros maestros that I work with, uh, they are from lineage and they work with their communities, you no. Know? So the work that they do with their communities is different than the the work that they do when we gather uh, in a retreat, for example, no. It's a very different way that they can help their own tribe, their own people, than the way that they can help us. And not only for the language barrier, for example, no, but the cultural uh, environment, uh, everything is different. And I admire a lot also the the capacity that we have had no, as humans to flexibilize and open these traditions so it's accessible for what is our modern life. Also because, um, for example, like for me, Japan is a, is a great example no, of uh, this mix no, of the tradition with the new times. They are always adapting, they are always like transforming without losing the root. So I think that is what we are transiting also in these times. We are um, trying to evolve no, and to adapt uh, these works to this modern life and this uh, modern conception that we have also about everything, no? without losing the roots, without losing the essence, without losing the um, also the main shapes no? that it has been given to us in order of um, do it right, in order of do it right, because also with the medicines, and I guess you know it, Jason, you can do a mess, you know, like with the ceremonies and, and like that, just by playing around and opening the the portals of your mind etc like many only things also can happen no so in in order of uh, doing the things in the right way is why we keep walking and like uh, being based no in the traditions we walk uh, hand by hand with this what our ancestors had ha, has left to us as a heritage in order to don't lose also the the guideline and to be able to do uh, a good work and to protect the ceremonies, to um, approach it to the medicines and these states of consciousness in a better way. And yeah, I think it has been a blessing for us as humans to have all these tools in our hands. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. You, you spoke a little bit about the the moon dance and the sun dance. Can you can you speak a little bit more about those? About just from your experience, yeah. what, like where those come from and why they were so important. Um, because I think it's something people, have, especially the the sun dance. I think many people are familiar with mm -hmm. that, but um, I think the moon dance to a lesser extent. And and just to, like out of a curiosity of of what those what those are and, and why they were they were seen as important. Yeah. Well, the moon dance and the sun dance. Um, these traditions, they are coming from also the ancestral tribes, no? Like uh, the sun dance is more known uh, for having a Lakota, Dakota procedence, no? Like from, more from North America, but also in, in Mexico is this tradition very strong, no? I really uh, don't know, like, uh, deeper, no? Like, for example, like, uh, how did it start it? 
uh, which tribe was the first one, etc. What I know, as I told you, is that uh, with the patriarchal energy, uh, the only one that survived through centuries was the Sundance, and it was only a masculine ritual that with the time, because the woman starts to ask for their place in the ceremonies, also like with the right of being a human and wanted to to have these chances, no? Uh, it started to open and now also women can be some dancers and offering their blood also, no? So I'm going to explain a little bit. Um, the sun dance and the moon dance is this uh, shape or a structure of, of long ritual that consists in four days of um, fasting. And it's a kind of isolation too, no? Like the thing is that we are all together there, but you, you should respect the silence, don't speak that much. Obviously in the moon dance we are a bunch of women and it's, it's difficult, you know? Like sometimes we don't even sleep, we're all like sharing between us and yeah, but... It's part of the medicine of a woman also, no? Like uh, sometimes in the mundans we are gathering from all the world. We haven't seen each other in, in the whole year. And and yeah, like sometimes we are speaking, no? But one of the main things of these gatherings is to preserve some uh, kind of isolation and restrictions, no? Like to preserve these restrictions, to follow um, all that, no? For example... One of the like the main medicines that we have in these rituals is the temascal and the fasting. That's what we do during those days. No, it's combined with all what is uh, the opening of, of the ceremonies, the asking of the permissions to the guardians, the singing, the prayers. No, like the singing and dancing is a very very important part of the of these rituals. No, um, for example. In the in the sun dance, the men that they are uh, doing is purification. They fast of food and water over four days, and they only dance to the sun during the daytime. They have some rests also because it's hard. No, it's hard. Uh, the the sun is hot and you get dehydrated, so in, in it's not exactly that you are doing like the super mexicas complex dances there, it's very simple patterns inside of the circle, it's very simple, very simple movements, very simple uh, patterns and movements that we do, it's not that complex as, um, I don't know if you have idea of this uh, mexica dancer that is for example in Mexico City in the Zocalo that is so with feathers and they dance around the the drum, the big drum that uh, is traditionally from there. And it's very complex dances, no? Like these ancestral dances also they were keys of opening to the energies, no? Uh, but this is not what we do inside of a of moon dance or sun dance ceremony. It's more simple coordinated movements, but like what we are doing there is to hold ourselves together <laughs> as we can during the um, fasting and like uh, the restriction of all the things that we like. You know, for example, for the women in the moon dance, like uh, you can't be with your partner over there. Like if your partner goes to help, uh, you gotta be away, you know, like you gotta have your time to, to do your own 
stuff, no? Uh, so it's ask that we don't combine, that we are not chatting between us, no? Like to respect the, those spaces. Also, we have a lot of guardians there, like physical persons that they are uh, uh, accomplishing the mission of uh, checking that these rules are followed in order to preserve to preserve the harmony of the ceremony. This is always the main goal. Yeah, sometimes it's not that pleasant to have a like a kind of police guy over there, but it's in order to preserve like the shapes of the ceremony uh, because we are humans and we are out of control. And <laughs> sometimes it's difficult to keep your fasting the four days, and some people takes like hiding food or things like that. It's what it is, you know, like it really happens. And that's why we have like sometimes people that is in charge to go, to be checking, you know, that everything is followed, that we accomplish the things as we're asked to because it's commitments, you no, know? it's like um for example I have heard that in the work that you and Marav do with the dietas also there is commitments, you no, know, that when you are joining to this uh process uh, you commit to lack of certain things of certain communications or your cell phone and all this is in order of doing a, a, a better work with yourself right so it's the same there as much as you do from your side because there is it's massive events is like sometimes a bunch of people there is guardians, but you gotta be your own guardian. You gotta be like trying to do your best also, you know, in, in the ceremony. So the difference is the difference between one and another is that as I said at the beginning, we have very uh, different nature, you no, know, in our physical body, in our essence as, as men and women. So the sun dance is designed more for the men and the, the mankind, you not know, like the physiognomy and the needs of the of the men and in the sun dance we have in the middle the tree of the life the tree of the life is a tree that has been asked as a sacrifice from the forest and all the dancers and the people that is involved in the ceremony they go together and they ask permission to pull down this tree that is the one that is going to hold all the prayers the prayers that we use for these ceremonies is tobacco prayers. Is tobacco with your intention, with your prayer, like wrapped in in a little um, fabric of different colors that represent the different uh, directions. Uh, every different direction is related with one element and aspect of life, also. And depending on this aspect is how we guide our prayer, no? For example, something can be more about our uh, personal life or other prayers can be more about work and wealth and prosperity, for example, no? And um, in this tree of the life uh, is where all the sun dancers, they hang their prayers, like, we we usually have the whole year bef between one dance and another to prep. It's a whole process. Actually, we say that the real dance always starts after the dance. <laughs> like when you are out of the ceremony is when things start really to move because the work that you did there. So um, in these rituals, as I said, like we fast four days. 
the sun dancers uh, they are fasting from food and water and the moon dancers were fasting of food only and we are being provided with different teas that in the Mexica tradition they support us like for example for the blood for cleansing for um, minerals no and in the one of the last nights that is the yeah the last night of of sonda the sorry of mundans we receive some cacao also ceremonial cacao perhaps like just a little bit but is uh, only in in the last and also has like all that the they give us is is with a purpose no uh, is uh, the teas and the uh, water and everything that we are being supplied with is, is coming from the kitchen and the organization no? so they prep the teas that we need And we as women, we are not lacking of water. Also, um, as we are related more with the moon, uh, our prayer and our main work is during the night. Uh, as for the men's, is during the day. The, the men's, they dance to the sun, and the women's, they dance to the moon. What it means is that the men's, they sun dance all day, and in the night, they can sleep. And the women's, we have the day to sleep, that sometimes we share and have some workshops and talks uh, and also the possibility of resting and sleep and during the night we fast of sleeping also during these four days you are fasting or or being lacking of comfort like shower you don't get shower you actually are asked to don't get shower the purifications that you get is inside of the temascal so in these ceremonies we have one temascal before getting into the circle of dance and one temascal after. It's purification temascal. For example, in the, in the moon dance, we have one, two, eight, eight temascals. Eight temascals in total. Two per day and one um, getting into the circle. No, like when, since, it's, uh, since it's the afternoon, the temascals start to prep. No, for the this is for moon dance because for sun dance is according to the times of the sun. No, so for the moon dance, we have the first temascal like around the evening, afternoon, ending on the evening, and then we go out and we get dressed for getting into the circle of dance. So we go inside and we stay the whole night there we can go to the toilet in some moment no if uh, if it's necessary we always have uh, some uh, resting moments and and specific moments to do stuff you no know, as we have specific moments in these uh, uh, huge prayers to smoke the pipe you no know? This, for example, in our ancestrality and the um, ancestral background is initiations. It's initiations like the vision quest. It's an initiation, you know. And yes, they are uh, in group and these dances. Um, but at the end, it involves a lot of your inner work, you know, because nobody else can uh, hold yourself in the fasting but you. And also, at the same time that is uh, groupally, you have to keep your focus in, in your own in order to 
to hold yourself actually there because it's strong it's very strong to fast for many days and it's a purification system you know as we know the fasting has a lot of properties and um, it helps our body to purify and regenerate you know with the brand new molar cells etc so our ancestors knew this and they did these long rituals where is also the uh, we all hold together the energy as well that each one has to uh, resolve themselves no each, like all together we hold this huge energy for us to be able to fast during those days and the energy usually is more heavy at the beginning and at the end you finish being like feeling like really light really light inside and outside no because is the process of the cleansing that the fasting um, is the result, no, of the work, better say. And well, I want to speak a little bit of some main difference between one and another, no. For example, in the sun dance, uh, the men's offer their their blood to the tree of the life, and in in that tree is where all the prayers are hung, no. Like it, this tree has to be taken from the forest with permission, and then. It has to be carried for all the dancers and all the people that is there for the ceremony. I mean, like, not all of us that we go, sometimes we go together. Like, I mean, like, we hold it together because sometimes it's bunches of people, no? But the people that is going to be involved, the people that is going to offer their dance there and uh, their fasting and the, the guides of the ceremony, the the grandfathers or grandmother that they are, they are directing, like, uh, all those persons has to be present, no? And it's carried by all of them without touching the floor and and plant in the middle of the of this circle and in this um in this tree is where the dancers they are going to offer their blood to this uh, occurs in stages during the days uh, there is different uh, sun dances and different uh, times that they use some time, no? Usually the first day is not the day of the offering, it's usually the last day is the day of the offerings because also after fasting many days and exhausting, like, you know, like getting to your own limit because you go first once, like, super strong Mexica Temazcal inside of the of the circle of dance to grind yourself and resist as much as you can and we sing and dance also we follow singings etc no? and um, and then you go out and then you have another temascal and then you go to sleep or, or like to rest no so after three days of that in the fourth day your state of mind is really different to offering your blood. So I have never offered my blood. I'm not a sun dancer. I'm a moon dancer. I have always had like a lot of uh, problems with the with the sun. No, it makes me huge huge headaches. So I have never uh, sun danced for that reason because I don't know if is there actually something that I could handle. No, uh, for four days like that. Um, but I have seen that they have different moments for offering the the blood no for doing the offerings sometimes they divide it in in the last three days of the ceremony usually the first one is not the one of the offerings but then the other three days it can be days of offerings where they divide the the people that wants to do it or at all all of them at the end and the symbolism of this is because like as i said at the beginning 
the women's we are always offering our blood to the earth. Actually, in the Mundans, we have a special place where if you are in your period, you are going to offer your blood there. It's a special place for that. It's very different than in the Sundance because in the Sundance, like you can't have that or you don't have that because it's um, ceremony that is more directed for the men. No, and actually, they don't allow the women's in their period to be around because um, it says that it interferes with the energy of the uh, the ones that they are praying or fasting. And but in the Mundans, it's different, no, because we are all women and it's part of our own nature. So in this symbolism of the men offering blood is that with the women we are um, offering our blood all the time, you know, for the life and to the Mother Earth. And it's part of our own nature and actually like it's something that some even that you don't want, like it happens, you know. Even if you don't want, like <laughs> it happens and also maybe you don't want to suffer when you give birth, but it's it's how it happens, you no, know? like it, you drop a bunch of blood and that is an offering for the life itself, you no, know? you are giving another life. So the symbolism of that is that um the men's offer in that moment their blood to the Mother Earth too, but it's a, in an induced way. And this is done by the elders, uh, grandfather, grandmother, guides of the ceremony, you know, like there is always like elder people that is prepped for holding the ceremonies and guide everyone else. And my friends that son dances, they have tell to me that uh, in the last day of the ceremony, just your state of mind is totally different. You really are not caring about the pain that is going to occasionate, no? So the men are given with uh, some piece of wood that they have to shape, and this is what they are going to introduce in their wounds. Uh, these wounds is made with a yeah, with a knife or like how to call it <laughs> well it's something that is very sharp no like uh it's not a bisturi because it's not actually like it, uh, something like from the has to be medical no like i don't know exactly which kind of these things sharp things do they use but it's small very sharp and they make little holes here no like so in the day that they are going to offer their blood they go in this place where the persons that they are uh, specialized on that they are going to open the holes for them. Some people offer here in the chest that is near to the heart. Some people offer in their back. Some people offer uh, the blood of their arms. And for the women, it's most here in the arms, what I have seen. No? And for the men, uh, it's very often the chest and the back. And the sun dancers usually has a lot of marks. No, So it's... Um, it's a, a wound, literally like a cut that they make. And this thing that you have to be shaping by your own during the time before of your ceremony, like it can, it can take months, it can take weeks, no, days. But you're going to shape your own stick, no, the, the your own arrow, let's say. So they are going to open you and the grandmother of the Sundance is there, uh, 
watching and assisting everything and they put a um something like this no uh, the skin of an animal and the person lays down there and with chirurgical stuffs uh, also clean of course they go opening no like every person and putting their own like every some dancer like or something very beautiful and that I like is that for the these rituals um most of most of the things that we use the that we wear like the dresses the the rattles even the 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 pipes uh, or the stick of the pipe you no know? like sometimes um sometimes you can get some of them you no know? but the the main purpose is that you create them that you work on your own items as you work during months in in your prayers you no know? like you you when you go to your dance, you are ready with all your items and elements that you need. And it's better if you did it by yourself. It contains all the energy of your intentions, your willing, your why are you doing this, or it's your own energy, you know? So these things that they shape um, is their kind of arrows. And let's say that it's a, it's a hole here, no, an opening, and they stick it. And so there's only one skin holding it and two points are going out. And in these two points, they tie the ropes that uh, goes to the tree. So these ropes are already hanging in the tree. And each one that is going to offer their blood is going to approach and uh, they are going to put their ropes there. And there is three different methods of uh, the ripping off, no, or like to finally like uh, offering the blood. Uh, one is uh, with the help of a horse, one is with the help of other men, and and the other is by yourself. By yourself, it means that you have to take all your strength and courage and run in the opposite direction of the tree and crush it by yourself. The ones with the help of other men, it, it means that, for example, you are here and you are hanging like that and the ropes are, are in, in a stick, no, like passing. And in the other side is, a, is um, some stick uh, that is uh, containing the ropes uh, and other people is going to pull it down in order to, to, like, to break it, not to break your skin. And in the way that uh, that is with the horse is done by a horse, no? Like the the one that is riding the horse is going to take the stick that has the the ropes, and somebody else is going to make like this to the horse, and the horse is going to run and instantly rip off the the skin of the person. No? Though those are the ways, as I say. Um, there is women also, I have many friends that they are some dancers, that they offer their blood, that they have been there like years after year and is their medicine. It is possible to, for the woman too, but um, it is mainly shaped for a man. No? Um, not because uh, a woman cannot uh, uh, with that pain, no? if, we, if we give birth, I mean like... Uh, is way less, no? <laughs> but um, in my own point of view, it, it is more shape for for the men, no? for for the inner work of a man, for the biological structure, like uh, and for the woman, like we don't have these uh, these uh, offerings or sacrifice, no, it's or fasting, and 
keeping awake all the night, uh, uh, holding the energy inside of the circle. And we have different uh, uh, center also uh, in our circle, no? like in the... In the um, Sundance is the tree of the life that is in the center. As I said, it, it contains all the prayers of all the dancers. It's like it looks like a Christmas tree because it's full of colors, no, of the prayers. Usually the prayers are fifty-two, so it's it's a long line, and each one is going to bring your your line. No, this is your prayers. This is what you are going to pray here. And in the moon dance, we have at the center, we have the wewetl, that is the the drum, the big drum, the ancient big drum, no, is the wewetl. And we have a circle around, like it's, it's kind of another circle mark in the center of our dance circle. And in this circle also we have a, a entrance door. And the the women that we hold the singings, for example, is the ones that we are going to be uh, spinning and like changing places, and like um, sharing the space in inside of that circle. Sometimes when they are singing, sometimes we are uh, we are out, no, like uh, not outside in the lines. Uh, that is the the lines uh, I'm, that I'm saying is uh, the lines of women that they are outside. No, it's different work inside of the circle. Of the central circle, we work with the drum, sustaining the energy of the prayer by singing, you no, know, like holding the energy, singing all the mashika chants and all these uh, ceremonial chants all the night. And as I say, like the the dance is not such a complex dance. Sometimes it's guided movements that we go in line, following and. Uh, one of the last nights is is more active and more um, dynamic, you know, like which with way more movement than in the first nights. That is in the third night, and um, but it's not that that we are all the time dancing and moving there, you no. Know? Like sometimes we we gotta be just waiting. Like for example, there is nights where we baptize. Uh, other women, not like because it's for cycles. It's, uh, in these traditions, uh, you commit over cycles of four years, nine years, thirteen years, etc. Of course, that is progressive. No, like you go one by one, like a, a com- like a accomplishing, you know, like committing first with one cycle. Then, if you accomplish, you commit with the other cycle, and like that, you go finishing like the whole work that involves at the end like many years of your life no and uh when we start this um commitment like uh, sometimes you barely understand anything no but with the time you start to understand more and more about these traditions and the purpose and why it's done in that way so in the moon dance we have the as the center the wewetl no and that is the big drum. And around the Wawatl there is a delimited circle that is full of the prayers of all the women and that is going to be holding the energy of the singing. And outside of our circle of dance is like is protected with the tobacco prayers of all the dancers. So it's all our circle is full of prayers. At the end these prayers goes to the fire, all of them. No, we offer all of them in both uh, ceremonies to the fire. And um, in the in the dance of the woman, as I say, we dance uh, to the moonlight, not to the sunlight. No, so we have the chance to rest during the day, 
except that if you want to go to one of the talks that uh, the people like the women that they are there are offering that we have like beautiful grandmothers and wise medicine women that they share their knowledge and they do workshops during the day but also you have the the option of rest <laughs> and then in the night uh, no sorry uh, in the afternoon starts the first temascal and then you go to change yourself and then you go to the circle of dance and again no, to the temascal back so that's the dynamic uh, during the four days and the thing is to hold hold yourself to donate nothing nothing nobody gives you anything there to eat no like there is kitchen in this in these uh, ceremonies we have a community kitchen we have also teams of support because it's necessary a huge team to make possible these ceremonies and for example the kitchen is for all that they are not fasting that they are not dancing, no? And this is, like, things that usually, like, also involves a lot the family, no? In, in Mexico, like, it's not that everyone does it, but sometimes, for example, you go uh, to sun dance or moon dance and it goes with you, your husband and the kids or, like, your sister or, like, you know, like, your family goes. So we call them supports of the of the ceremony and these people um they they eat no so we all prep it there is like the dancers they are uh, holding uh, far away in like uh places that, that we have in the um mountains in the forest like i mean it always changes, no? Like it always changes the the place, but it's in the nature. That's what I mean. It's deep in the nature. Uh, it's also like like uh, camping, and um, that's why we set up the whole kitchen, no? So we can provide the food and and do the accomplish the basic needs because like many many kids are there also no and and they need to eat and everyone that is uh, supporting like there is people that cleans the toilets there is people that carries water there is people that is um in charge of taking care of the fire there is people that is cleaning um the space uh, that is not trash around so there's many works to do there no and all that is called the support of the dance and all that people is is uh, is free to eat and and drink water no the ones that they do the offering is the ones that they have commit to to do the dance and as i say like it's based as well in the medicine of the fasting of the emptiness as well in the medicine of the four elements and the temascal no the the this uh, ancestral base that is uh, for this uh, for these traditions, like um, the four elements, the four directions of the world, uh, that is the basement of of these rituals. And um, yeah, like uh, I can say that they are very powerful. They are very powerful, no. And that's why we say that the real dance sometimes is outside of the circle of the dance, no. Because when you go and do all this effort and offerings and move the energy and the energy moves because all of what's going on there no with your own effort the the shape of the ceremony 
then things changes outside in our life too. And things moves as the energy has moved inside, uh, the things moves outside too. And um, in my own experience, uh, they help a lot to evolve as a person. That's what I can say, you know. In many ways, I think that uh, also the the dancers, they have like way amplium spectrum. So it moves things in your life uh, in different ways and in each person is is a different medicine and it's a different thing that is going to move, no? So uh, at the end, as well, everyone receives what, what needs to receive, no? Sometimes there is things that occur, also like conflicts and things that happens there. And yeah, everything is for a reason, no? Everything is a mirror and a reflection, a projection of ourselves. And in these big group and communitary ceremonies also things happen no like for for the same nature of the human being in 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 a in in a sharing space in community or conviving and um i feel also that this is part of what the medicine has to show us no? like the spirits that they are uh, assisting us they sometimes um are there for helping us with these issues too, no? There is things that happens in these uh, big gatherings about organization, about breaking rules, about many things, no? As well, like we are humans and it's all learning, no? It's all um, evolution if we if we are willing to take it like that. And yeah, I consider this like a treasures for the humanity you know like uh, um these ancestral ways uh, that they they left to us uh, is ways for us to heal is ways for us to get to know ourselves better to for example if a temascal is challenging itself imagine eight of them plus not eating and being awake all the night and and has to be there for days, you know. So it's one after another challenge and you keep challenging yourself and transcending these little limitations and barriers that we have and uh, many beautiful things, they come from that, you know. For me, the, the moon dance has strengthened me, has opened me so much also to the understanding of these traditions and um yeah I, I've, I am a four years dancer moon dancer I haven't gone back to Mexico because uh like a legacy of the papers of my kid and I haven't had the opportunity of be back in Mexico to continue with my next cycle but I uh, accomplished my first cycle there that is four years and in those four years I can say that um, yeah it, it was not easy every year was a challenge a different challenge but it has been a beautiful process of evolution of strengthening myself of trusting in my own capacities also getting to know myself better getting to know uh, my limitations too and um yeah it's it's a it's a very beautiful thing to do 
I will do it again, of course, when I have the opportunity to be back in, in my country to do that. <laughs> All right, everybody, that is it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kunti. Uh, as I said, this uh, conversation is broken up into two parts. So if you're turning into the first part, stay tuned next week to the second part. And if you're just tuning in for the second part and you haven't seen the first part, then consider going back and watching that first part. Um, so thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, for me, actually, I learned a lot. Uh, I, I always enjoy the podcast where I get a chance to, to, to do some learning myself. Um, as always, if you're able to support this podcast, that's a really big help to me. Patreon is a really good option. It's a subscription service for as little as a dollar a month. You can sign up. It gives you some really nice perks back, things like early access to shows, bonus material, Q&As. That's a really big help to me to continue to make these podcasts. Um, to all the people who have done that, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. And if you are able to do that, that's a really big help. There's also the ability to direct donate via PayPal. I'll put a link to both of those in the show notes. Also with the YouTube channel now, there's the option to join the channel. It gives a lot of the same perks as the Patreon option. Uh, below the video, there should be a join button for that. Um, and then if you're not able to do that, uh, subscribing to the show is a really big help. Turning on the notification bells, liking the videos. Again, that may seem like a small thing, but that's a really big help with the algorithms. And with the audio version going on Apple Podcasts, following the show, leaving a starred rating and a short review. So thank you all for tuning in. Uh, again, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I hope you enjoyed both parts if you get a chance to do that. Um, the following week, I will have on my friend Paulette. Uh, and uh, um, after that, uh, I believe my friend Ido. And that's as far as I've scheduled for now. Uh, but as always, I will continue to bring on some really interesting guests. So thank you all for tuning in, and I will see you all on the next episode.